0: So um, I, I want to talk this morning about success. We want to succeed. So uh, can we see the first slide here? This says, grant us success. This is, we're going to focus on one, one verse in the 118th Psalm. That's verse 25. But maybe before that, we'll read the whole thing. We'll read the whole Psalm. So could we stand for the reading of the Word of God? Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron, let the priests and the leaders say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord, that would be like wherever you came from. Maybe you weren't even like part of the people of God, but then you saw his goodness. If you did, you should say that his love endures forever. Verse 5 says, in my anguish, I cried to the Lord, and He answered me by setting me free. That's true for me. I cried to the Lord, and He set me free. Yeah. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man, what can humans do to me? That verse is quoted in uh, Hebrews. The author of Hebrews quotes that one. The Lord is with me. He's my helper. I will look in triumph on my enemies. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Don't trust the government. Trust in God. All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. (laughs) All the nations... I think maybe it was David who wrote this. Whoever, that might have been hyperbole. He might have been just exaggerating the threat a little bit. All the nations. I cut them off. He said, they surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They swarmed around me like bees, but died out as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. He said, I was pushed back. I was about to fall, but the Lord helped me. I can relate to that. The Lord is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. I love that. He doesn't just say that He saved me. He says, He is my salvation. Salvation is a person. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. And I heard some of that this morning in this room. The righteous say, the Lord's right hand has done mighty things. Mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die, but live. I will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely. Did you ever feel that? Did you Have you felt ever severely chastened by the Lord? Yeah, I did. But he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of righteousness. I want to go in there. I will enter. I'll enter the gates of righteousness. I think that has something to do with the atoning work of Christ. And I will give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. Jesus is the, is the gate through which the righteous may enter. I will give thanks for you answered me, and you have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the capstone, or your translation may say the chief cornerstone. This, is, this verse is quoted five times in the New Testament. Once in each of the Gospels, and once in Peter quotes it too. And this is about Jesus who was rejected. The, I'll sing you a song. The building block building block that was rejected Became the cornerstone of a whole new world The building block, building block that was rejected Became the cornerstone of a whole new world The Lord has done this oh, The Lord turned it all around And this is marvelous in our eyes You've heard this one It's on a coffee cup at your house This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Verse 25. O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God and he has made his light shine upon us. With bows in hand, we join the festival procession up to the horns of the altar. I don't know what that means. (laughs) It sounds great, though. Sounds great. You are my God, and I will give you thanks. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. last verse is the same as the first verse. You may be seated. want to focus on verse 25. Verse 25 says, Oh Lord, save us. Oh Lord, grant us success. I know you're seated, but maybe you'd like to say that with me. Oh Lord, save us. Oh Lord, grant us success. I like this prayer, this prayer right here. I use it recurrently. It fits in real nicely with prayers like Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a great prayer. Oh, Lord, save us. Grant us success. It's a prayer for a community. The author uses plural pronouns, you notice. He did talk about himself some, but here he switches and he's praying on behalf of the people. It's good to ask God for personal salvation. I mean, there are still things, even though I'm a Christian, that I'm hoping to be delivered from. Still fighting some battles. I need God to fight on my behalf. So I I still need salvation. But here we're asking for something for the whole community. We're asking Him to deliver not me, but us from every threat. And asking Him to grant us success. And this is a prayer, as you see, that sees both danger and opportunity. There are clear dangers. There are always threats. We cry out, save us, deliver us. But this is not merely a prayer for escape. We want to win. There's an opportunity in front of us. We want to succeed. We want to do well. We want to prosper. We want to break through. We want to lay hold of something. We want to see God's great work succeed. So we're crying out, Lord, grant us success. The Bible doesn't tell us who wrote this psalm. Most of uh, the scholars think it was David. I think it was probably David. It was clearly written by someone who was the leader of the people of God and who in that capacity was threatened. He was harassed, but it just wasn't just him personally that was harassed. He, the people he represents were facing danger. They were facing trouble. And with God's help, he either won a victory or he won a partial victory and is expecting some more victory later on because, you know, it's kind of all mixed up that way. Like declarations of victory, and then also cries for more help, which is kind of the spot I find myself in. I'm I've got loads to celebrate, but I continue to need help. So this uh, this this psalm was quoted in Ezra chapter three. In Ezra three, there's a story about a celebration that happened when the people of God who who had sinned and been taken into captivity and had seen the, their city and the temple destroyed, they were, they were allowed to come back and rebuild. And Ezra tells the story about how they, they finished the foundation for the new temple that's going to replace Solomon's temple. And It says when they, when they, when they finished that uh, foundation, they prayed that line that is the first and the last line of the 118th psalm. They, they prayed it, and some of the scholars think that that basically means that that entire 118th psalm was on the set list for the worship at that dedication of the new temple. Now, we don't know for sure if that's the case, but we do know from history that this 118th psalm became a traditional hymn for national holidays and celebrations like the Passover. And um, so that would explain why the crowds were shouting a line from this psalm when Jesus rode into Jerusalem just days before the Passover. The Passover, that was—they're all pumped. It's like you know Independence Day, only uh, they took it more seriously. (laughs) And um, it's because it's a celebration of, of deliverance and a cry for deliverance, and it actually expresses hope that there is a deliverer. The psalm does. Because of that, a lot of people think, because of its positioning as part of sort of the holiday, celebration, liberation, liturgy, that when Jesus, it says, it says in the Gospels, that, that after the Last Supper, just before they left the upper room, they sang a hymn. They sang a hymn and then they went out. And a lot of people think this is the most likely hymn that they sang. Jesus and the disciples. So I want to think particularly about verse 25, about this prayer about danger and about salvation. There is danger and there is salvation. The whole 118th Psalm like smells of danger. Did you pick that up when we were going through it? I was surrounded on every side. They swarmed about me like bees. I, was, I fell back and I was about to fall and then the, the the one that you know all the nations around me i thought about that because my wife was like coaching me through some recurring uh failures in my life uh giving me advice about that it's so good to have a wife who will correct you i want to say if you if you're the kind of man who resists corrective words from your wife you should repent because she was given to help you, and that means telling you when you're stupid. Amen. So, anyway. So she was helping me, because, because what would happen with me is I would get stressed, and then when I got stressed, I'd get anxious, and then when I got anxious, anxious, she said, then you resort to hyperbole, which basically is when you exaggerate the problem, basically to drive yourself into despair, so that you can justify whatever anger comes out after that. So I thought, yeah, that sounds right, yeah. So there's, I don't know why I'm telling you that. Maybe it was because Jason Vance said that we should confess our sins or something. <laughs> I certainly wasn't intending to tell you that. But, but anyway, there's danger and there's salvation. Yeah, because we're always tempted by something. Yeah, the thing that I just described to you is like this, tendency that I have, and I would like to say that's the only way in which I'm tempted, but there's a myriad of things that are actually like aimed at me. Soft spots where the devil can get to me if I'm not zealous. you probably like that, aren't you? So anyway, he said I was threatened. Verse 17, he says, I'm not going to die. I'm going to live. I'm going to tell what the Lord has done, which makes me think that at some point it wasn't clear whether he was going to make it or not maybe other people didn't know if he was going to make it and maybe he didn't know if he was going to make it and and actually maybe he wasn't always sure that he really wanted to go on living cuz you know you can get in hard situations and think you know i would just way rather be in heaven right now you know would sooner than later could we go you know have you ever have you ever felt that way like you'd like to get to heaven sooner instead of later it's not i know it's not just me so, but you know, he could have been the author, maybe it's assuming it's David, he might have been like the Apostle Paul. He told the, he told the Corinthians that one point when he was working in Asia, he said, I was burdened excessively beyond strength so that I despaired even of life. I just, I wanted to share that with you in case you feel guilty if forever feeling that way. Because the Apostle Paul, who wrote a whole bunch of the New Testament, said... I was so stressed out, I didn't know if I wanted to go on anymore. You know? So, it's okay. You'll get through. You'll make it. You'll make it. God will help you. You know, we who've come to Jesus have have been saved. How, How great this salvation. I mean, we're saying, oh Lord, save us, but... Let's look back and see what happens to us. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. I was deeply stained and was sinking to rise no more. But the master of the seas heard my despairing cry and lifted me. And now I'm safe. I'm safe. I was the sheep that had gone astray. He tracked me down and brought me back into the fold. I was weighted down with guilt. He bore my sins in His body on the cross that I might die to sin and live to righteousness. And I have it good. My future is secure. I'm delivered from the power of sin and from death and from eternal judgment. And nothing can snatch me out of His hand. I'm in a good spot and my future is bright. I've got a home. Someplace else. I like it here, okay, but I'm looking for better than Joplin. I'm going to the New Jerusalem that comes down from heaven, where the the Lamb is the light. Whoo! It's gonna be good. It's good. I'm saved. Saved. But there are still threats. I mean, I'm saved, but there's still threats. Still threats, because the church is always at war. It's not just us individually. And and sometimes when it feels like this pressure or this temptation or or this resistance, it's all about me. Let me tell you, it's never just all about you. It's about us. The devil attacks you because he's against the church, the, the the whole people of God. And he wants to mess you up because he wants to mess the bride up. He's against her. People of God are always under some kind of attack. There are always spiritual forces of wickedness at work. They never stop. They don't sleep. There is always, like in the Revelation to John, there's that war in heaven. And I think there's always still war in heaven. And the dragon who couldn't devour the woman or or her son are still after the son's. Brothers and sisters. That's you, me. He accuses day and night. He accuses you and he wants to turn you into an accuser. He instigates contention, stirs up fights, magnifies your slights and disappointments, fosters bitterness, Coaches you into increasing levels of insecurity and complaining. I'm not saying you're all experiencing all of those things. I am saying if you're experiencing any of them, it's because of the devil. (laughs) Who's against us? And um, we're supposed to be sober. He's like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And God told Cain... Genesis 4 said, listen, if you want to, you can do the right thing. And if you decide the other way, i got to tell you, sin is crouching right at the door. You open that door a crack, he'll be on you. It'll be on you. We're not being told to be afraid. We're never told to be afraid of the devil. We are told to be aware of the realities. That there is war. That there's hostility. Whether you feel it or not, it's real. And, and then it, it manifests in a whole variety of ways. You know, there's, there, there are false prophets. I mean, that, that's like a thing Jesus talks about a whole lot in the Gospels. There are going to be false prophets. They will come, and he says they will lead many astray. Well, that's threatening, isn't it? We don't want that. I do not want any of you to be led astray by any falsehood. <laughs> we got to be diligent. Not afraid, just diligent. False Christs and false prophets. He said some of them might even be able to perform miracles. False teachers, Peter says, will bring in destructive heresies. That has always been true. I don't know. I don't know how many... Jesus died for our sins, rose, hung out with the with the disciples for a while, ascended back to heaven. There was some sort of heresy being perpetrated the next day, I imagine, somewhere somebody's trying to get this group off the rails. <laughs> so False teachers bring in destructive heresies. They'll tell you there's nothing good about Good Friday. Jesus didn't have to die. He was killed against his will. The Bible is a collection of things that people thought about God, never intended to be the finer word. Jesus would be unhappy to know that you haven't moved on to something more, more than the Bible. The only thing wrong with you is that you ever believed that there was anything wrong with you. God just wants you to be happy. Every time I've ever heard anybody say that, they were getting ready to do something that God had clearly denied them permission to do. Main thing holding you back is your inability to love yourselves. And I just want to say real briefly that the Bible acknowledges the reality of self-love and never, ever commends it. Never suggest that you it's like a recognized reality, but it's more of a problem than it is a solution. First Timothy three, there's like this long list of horrible things that are going to happen in the last days. And the first of those things is that people are going to be lovers of themselves. Delight in this. You are loved by someone more important than you. Someone whose love actually produces something, you know. Something good. And people are told, you know, you, you, just, you need to listen to the voice of the divine presence inside you. You need to follow your divinely inspired intuitions. Oh, please don't do that. Your, your, our intuitions are no more reliable than our emotions as a standard for what is right and good. I, I thinking about this this week. I, I thought about this verse in Isaiah 20. Isaiah 8, verse 20. The Lord says, direct such people to the law and to the testimony. That would be to the, the, the word of God, to the prophetic word in Scripture. He says, if they do not speak according to this word, it's because there is no light in them. So... If somebody's trying to give you spiritual coaching on the Internet that's coming from someplace other than the Word of God, here's what I have to say. They're not speaking according to this word because the light is not in them. So, we don't need to be afraid. We just need to be alert, watching out for one another, guarding our hearts and asking the One who saved us eternally to save us and protect us and deliver us day by day. And so we say, Oh Lord, save us. Oh Lord, grant us success. Let's talk about the second of those two lines. About opportunity and success. I mean, here's another thing that I I like about this prayer. It's a prayer about our own labors and the aspirations and the things that God has given us to do. So, a lot of times I'm praying for things, situations. There's really nothing for me to do about it, other than pray. I, I've got friends in another country, and one of their family members is desperately sick, and I'm helpless to do anything. So I pray about that. And that's good. But this is, it's a very good to pray. Very good to pray those things. But this is not that kind of prayer. This is a request for God to do something about what we're currently doing, like what we're engaged in. It's a prayer of people on mission. A prayer of people engaged in a cause. We have something important to do. Five categories of important things to do. We're working hard and we're not always finding it easy. And let me say that the testimony of scriptures is this. That doing the thing that God wants you to do is not always pleasant. Not always. So it's work. And so we we pray. Actually, sometimes when you're doing the will of God, you find yourself up to your neck in trouble. And uh, and so we pray, save us and grant us success. A couple of things that are assumed, you know, when we pray this. First of all, there is such a thing as genuine success. The author of this psalm didn't think a hey, everything. You know, it doesn't matter. It's all good. Whatever happens, he believed he was on a side that God wanted to bless, and and He wanted to win and prosper. And then also, the other thing is, God gives success. God's able to make things succeed. And then the third is, God expects us to ask, and He hears and responds. He, He wants us to ask, and He responds when we do. And this author was expecting to be heard. And that's real clear because this whole psalm, the 118th psalm, is brimming with optimism, with faith, with confidence that God is going to come through. I like that. I keep telling you there are things I like about that psalm. Here's another one. This is joyful optimism. I mean, joyful optimism is is it's wonderful wherever you find it. But I especially like joyful optimism in people who recognize that things are pretty dangerous. That seems like a glorious mix. When somebody can like acknowledge, yeah, this is crazy dangerous, and I'm pretty sure it's all going to turn out great because God is with us. That kind of attitude. I'm drawn to people who express confidence in the midst of danger. Oh, Lord, I want to be that person. who Expresses confidence in the face of danger. He says, the Lord's with me. I'm not going to be afraid. Humans can't hurt me. The Lord is with me. He's my helper. I'm going to look and triumph on my enemies. The Lord's my strength and my song. He's become my salvation. The Lord's done mighty things and He's going to do more mighty things and I'm going to live and I'm going to testify to what God has done and He's chastened me, but I'm not dead. I'm going to enter into the gates and give thanks. Oh, let that be us. Let that be us. So God hears and responds, and so we pray. And I just want to talk a little bit about why prayer helps, how prayer can lead to success. I mean, the first thing is on this list is that God blesses those who seek Him. When I was looking at verses about success, I found an interesting one in Second Chronicles chapter twenty six. This is about Uzziah, who was sixteen years old when he was made king of the nation. It says in Second in Chronicles 26, verse 5, Uzziah sought God during the days of Zechariah, who in- instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. And here's what I thought. I thought, if we keep seeking the Lord, He'll probably give us success. Let's do that. Let's keep seeking His face. Let's keep digging into His Word. Let's keep being filled with His Spirit. Let's tell each other the truth and expect that as we receive the Lord, He will grant us success. It it doesn't say Uzziah was blessed as long as he worked really hard because hard work isn't enough. Hard work plus intelligence isn't enough. Smart farmers with good seed can't guarantee... A crop at the end, but sometimes we need to be reminded of this because we tend to think basically, I will work on the things I can do, and I will pray for God to do things about the things I can't do. And there's a false dichotomy there. It's fine to pray about the things that you can't do anything about, but you need God. You need to pray about the work in front of you. We need to pray about like what's in front of us because we need something bigger and better to happen than our intelligence and hard work is likely to produce. So, work as we pray. Hard work bathed in fervent prayer is what is needed. But then the second thing on this list, God directs those who ask. Part of the reason to stay in prayer is that is that if we don't stay in communication with God, we're unlikely to pick the right thing to aim for. We can end up being successful in something that doesn't matter. Genuine success means you've got to aim for the right things. I I heard this story about a guy who said, I spent years climbing the ladder of success only to find it was leaning against the wrong wall. So... Praying people are in a good position to have their labor directed by God. And then the third thing is that God gives wisdom and strength. James says, Ask for wisdom, God will give it to you. And and we need wisdom. We need wisdom for all of our adventures and responsibilities. I mean, I don't think anything made me aware of how much wisdom I lacked and needed than having kids. You just think, well, this is baffling. A lot, you know. and uh, So in, in all of our endeavors, um, we need wisdom and strength. Building real community takes this. And then, and then fourth thing, God gives, us, God gives us allies and co-workers and tells us to ask for more of them. Pray, you know, if you're a laborer, if you're working in the harvest, if you're building something, pray that God will add to you. That's one of, part of what we're doing this morning. We're saying, God, add to these teams. Add to them. We want allies. We want co-workers. Lots of them. There's a, there's a big harvest. There's a big job. A glorious, wonderful, big job. Add to us. Bring us allies. And then the, the, the fifth thing, final thing on this list, is that, is that when we pray, God gives us leaders. Praying for success involves Praying that God will give us leaders. And then when we get them, we have to pray for them. We have to pray for them. Uh, times in the past, you know, when I was leading something and I was hesitant to say, you know, pray for leaders. But Paul was never shy about that. He said, pray for us. It was never me. He said, pray for us. We're we're about something and we need divine help. And uh, I just want to say that it's right to pray for leaders. I mean, the Bible even encourages you to pray for political leaders who you don't like. Now that, that's how broad this, and this is the reason leaders affect things. So we, we it's, it's in our best interest to pray for them. Does that make sense? It's in our best interest to pray for them. And so, um, so we do. And then the leaders need prayer. Need prayer. So, so as I was thinking about this, I thought, well, well what should we pray for people who are leading? Like for example these team leaders for these five teens what should we pray for them and I I found this passage in 1st Chronicles 22 and I thought this would be a good prayer for leaders this would be good things to ask for leaders in this section This is uh this is David talking and he's talking he's either praying or or it sounds like a prayer to me but sometimes he's talking to his son Solomon, and sometimes he's talking to the Lord about his son Solomon. And by the way, uh, this is totally off script, but um, you can do that. Did you know that you can like talk to the Lord and then talk and just turn and say, "Hey, Mary, what's going on?" And then you can go back and talk to the Lord again. I mean, seamlessly. You don't have to. I mean, you don't have to divide these blocks up. You know. Anyway, people do that all through the Bible. They do it all the time. They talk to themselves, they talk to the crowd, they talk to God, and they don't even tell you when they're switching. Okay, so, so that's what he does here. And I want to just look at, look at like uh, seven things that he asks for here that we want to ask for as well. What do we ask for our leaders? First of all, next slide. We ask for God's presence and help. He says, now, my son, the Lord be with you. And, and that's what we want to say. May the Lord be with you, close to you. May He always be at your right hand. May He always be near to you. Oh Lord, be close. We, we, we really need your presence. We need your, I'm so thankful for your omnipresence. I like your manifest presence too. I like it when I know that you're with me. Not just because you promised, but because you you make me aware. I, I think sometimes the Holy Spirit can come on us and you can feel it. You can know God's with us here. God's here to strengthen us. God's here to help us. There are so many examples about this connection between God's presence with somebody and success. I'll just give you two real quick ones. Joseph, this is Genesis 39. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care. Because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Well, I want that to be true for you, too. The Lord was with you and gave you success. David, First Samuel, in everything he did, he had great success. Do you know why? Finish the sentence. Because the Lord was with him. Oh Lord, we seek your presence with us. We long for you to be happy to be with us manifestly. Because one of the fruits of that is that we end up being successful in things that matter. Oh, what's the next one? Success is a builder. May you have success and build the house of the Lord as God said you would. And I, I just got to tell you, we're going to pray for these ministry team leaders, but this is what I want for all of you. I want all of you to be involved in building a glorious house for the Son of God. Every one of you has a role to play. It's like when they rebuilt the wall, they're in Jerusalem, and everybody's out there. There's this guy and his daughters, and this guy and his... I mean, they're, everybody's like on the job. Because it's not... I mean, there is lots of work to do, but i got to tell you, it's a glorious privilege to be constructing something that's going to last forever. Woo! I mean, success is a builder. And then, and then the third one. What do we ask? Discretion. May the Lord give you discretion. Discretion is... Well, something discreet is, it means it's detached from other things. It's separate. It's distinct. And discretion is, is good judgment needed to make wise separations and, why, and, and make wise distinctions. The person with discretion can tell the difference between good ideas and bad ideas, between what's polite and what's rude, between what's public and what needs to be kept private. The person with discretion knows when to speak and when to be quiet. Is able to be, deal, keep sensitive information, secrets, when necessary, you know? You want that, don't you? Discretion. We need it. Fourth, we want our leaders to have understanding, similar to wisdom. We want, we want leaders, we want everybody. But it's important, since they're going to influence us, that our leaders understand people and understand complex situations and can see what's actually going on. And, and and know what God would have us to do. And then and then this next one attentive obedience to God's word. That you may keep the law of the Lord your God, then you'll have success if you're careful to observe the decrees and laws. Listen, listen, this is like this is a hill that we're willing to die on. I mean, our commitment to like staying in the Word of God is our is is like it's like a key to our hope for the bright future. I mean, I I just, well, let me pause and just pray that 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 hunger for God's word would would abound. I, I just pray for you that your delight in the word of God, that you'd find yourself regularly like finding jewels and sharing them with other people, that one of your favorite things to do would be to. To call or text somebody and say, Oh, you will not believe what I saw in the Bible this morning. It is so rich. Listen, feed on it. We're going to like feed on it. We're going to delight in it. We're going to let it shape us. And we will have success. If we do that. Tentative obedience. Strength. Strength. We need strength. Because... We need strength because sometimes we're under pressure and we need strength because sometimes we need to break through some kind of barrier. And, and, and strength is provided for us by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God and we need to keep on being filled with the Spirit who will enable us to hold on when we need to hold on and break through where we need to break through. Hallelujah. Strength. May us strong, O oh Lord. Strength. Next, courage. We don't want to be afraid. Don't want to be discouraged. Next slide. These are the things we're going to pray for. Go to the next slide and then back. Oh, Lord, save us. Oh, Lord. Grant us success. Okay, back one. So I'd like to invite these Couples, anybody who's part of this these five teams, these these leaders of these five teams. Come on up. If you would. Great. Yep. Okay, uh some of you just love to pray. And you, and you like to lay hands on people, and now's your chance. <laughs> gather around gather around them. If there's somebody here that you want to bless, just come up and ask God to bless them. Let's put our hands on them. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for what you've done, every life here that you've redeemed. Lord, we're so grateful for the multiple gifts that I just when I look down this row, just the way that you've gifted these people. We thank you, Lord, for their character and for their affections. Thank you. Now And Lord, we pray for Your presence. We pray for Your presence in every house. In every conversation in every house. Your presence, Lord. We pray, Lord, You would be their helper. They'd look to You and find help day by day. We pray, Father, for their success as builders. We pray, Lord, that You'll show them You'll like show them others who they can call alongside of themselves who will provide great support. Yeah. yep. open their eyes to see. Just the right people. Just the right people. And we pray, Father, for teams that are cohesive. People who love each other and they're not in competition. They're on a team. And we pray, Father, for discretion for them. They'll know when to talk and when not to. They'll know which things to say and what things not to say. They'll, they'll be able to tell the difference between good ideas and bad ideas. Help them, Lord. We pray, Father, that you'll give them understanding. That when they talk to people, when people talk to them, they'll kind of like, oh, I see what's going on that things that seem confusing will open up for them. You'll grant them understanding into confusing situations. And we pray, Father, for their continued, attentive obedience to the Word of God that they will just find delights there. Find delights there. They'll they'll, They'll just feed on it. And it'll and, and the word of God will get into them and it'll spill out of them, spilling out of them. Yep. Yep. They'll lead the church into increasing hunger and thirst for Your Word. And we pray, Father, for their strength. We pray, sustain them by the Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord, You'll hold them up when they feel pressure. And we pray You'll give them strength to lead an assault where there's something to break through. Just courage. Strength and courage. We pray, Father, against any discouragement. We pray for a strong faith and assurance of Your victory to permeate their hearts and that, Lord, they won't back down. They'll hold them up. We pray for their courage. Oh Lord. Courageous men and women.
1: Yes, Lord. Yeah. Fill them with the Spirit. More. More than you ever have. Uh, give them more of you. We want ask that they be fully spiritual people, people yes. who exist off of you. Yeah. Father. They,
0: yes. they
1: they're constantly communing with you through the Spirit yes, and they're constantly uh, Jesus it said Jesus was always led by the spirit and he right. was doing things in the power of the spirit and he was filled by the spirit we want this group and the, their teams us as a church yes. to be fully filled by the spirit Thank you. make it be so increase our faith yes. and increase their faith
0: yeah.
1: right. uh, faith to believe in you to build your church faith in you to, to make ways to, to bring people to orchestrate things increase their faith increase our faith a faith that says we're going to step into something that doesn't make sense step into something that, that that's new step into something that's unknown yeah believing jesus that if you let us there you're going to get us there Amen. so increase our faith ask that you 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 make them encouragers and people builders make make people their priority yeah. uh, not, not not a system not a task but people we're Amen. we're building up your church making yeah. making her as beautiful as you want her to be may it be so we we want to be, Jesus, it said your zeal for your house consumes yes, you. Make yeah. that, make that true of this group that we want to be consumed by wanting to see your house be yeah. what you want her to be. That's that, right. We give, give her all for your house. Hallelujah. We, we don't have our own lives anymore. We don't have that's our right. own. It's all yours. And that's what we want to give ourselves to. So I ask that you make that true of these leaders. Make that true of the people that they'll be leading. I ask that you make our whole church uh, zealous for your house. Amen. Uh, uh, set, set set our attention, our priority, our focus on you and the extension of your kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We want to be those who seek your kingdom first, trusting that everything else that we need in life will be added. Yeah. So make that true of us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen.